On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and movie DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Welcome to another episode of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode four. I'm Brian Zemrak, your host for the podcast. And it's been just about one month since our first episode went out. And I want to thank everybody who sent emails. Uh, also, uh, people who are trying to win the DVD in our contest that was going on right now. And I uh, want to thank you for uh, those emails. And uh, also, if uh, you do send an email, whether you're entering the contest or just sending one to me to uh, uh, ask a question or uh, give a suggestion or whatever, uh, put down where you're from. Uh, just an idea of what uh, state, what country, whatever you're from, because uh, it's interesting to hear where people are uh, listening to the podcast. Uh, there was somebody from Australia who sent me an email, and uh, also somebody from England. So uh, it's, it's really interesting to find out where you're listening. So uh, if you do send an email, uh, if you could just sort of, you know, put that down where you're from, that, that I'd be I appreciate that. Also, um, if you do want to send an email or enter the contest, the email to send it to is feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. You know, I check that almost every day, and uh, we'll. See, and we've got a lot of people entering the contest. Um, that's kind of exciting uh, to give you some information on that. And a little something special in here uh, is uh, I just got some information, and I'll tell you about that in just a minute. Um, the contest that's going on right now is your chance to win a Fallen Angels DVD. Now, this is a horror movie released by Warner Brothers. And uh, it's very simple to, to have a chance to win it. All you have to do is listen to the podcast, Episode 3. Just go to iTunes or our webpage, either place, and you could subscribe to the podcast if you'd like on um, iTunes. Or you can turn around and uh, just download that episode, whichever you'd like. Or you can go to our website and you can get an MP3 format of it and uh, listen to that. Now, it's like I said, it's kind of easy to enter the contest. You listen to podcast number three, which has an interview with David Hess, who's one of the stars of Fallen Angels. And all you got to do is listen for his interview in, in one of the segments of the podcast. And David talks about his life and his career and everything and all about the you know, different things that have gone on. He was in Last House on the Left and things like that. And the question that you have to listen for uh, or the answer to the question, rather. The question is, what sport was David Hess playing during the early part of his career? All right? And he mentions that, and all you have to do is find out what that is, then email the answer to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, and then on November 30th, We'll draw a winner from all the correct answers. Now, we've had quite a few that have come in. Uh, plenty of time for people to send in some more. Uh, you only have to enter once, of course. Then we'll send, we'll have a drawing, and the one that we pick out of the correct answers will win a copy of the Fallen Angels movie. Now, I was just informed yesterday that uh, there's a little something special about that. It's not just a DVD that you could get at any store. Uh, they, they're going to be available at uh, some Walmarts and Best Buys and you know where some, some other places. But this one will be a collector's item 
because it's going to be signed by several members of the cast. So I was kind of excited when I heard about that. I'm not exactly sure which members are going to be uh, signing it, but um, there's uh, I heard there was going to be two or three or four or whatever that will be signing it. So uh, it sort of makes it, you know, you get the DVD and a little collector's item there. And uh, that's uh, very simple to win. Like I said, just uh, listen to podcast number three. Find out the answer to the question, what sport was David Hest involved in early in his career? And then email the answer to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, November 30th. We take all the correct answers, draw one person, and that person will win it. I'm also working on some more contests that we'll be having coming up in uh, future episodes, um, just trying to make some arrangements or figure out what, what we can give away. Um, and uh, so we're going to try to keep going with this, this uh, to, to give you some movie memorabilia stuff or whatever. Um, so keep tuned right here on On Screen and Beyond. All right. Also, our survey that is on the website if you go to onscreenandbeyond.com, you can uh, participate in our little poll, our little survey that we have up there. If you go to the first page, the home page, and you scroll all the way down to the bottom, and right there you can get, uh, you see the survey. It changes every, I, I, right now I'm doing it about every two episodes. Uh, it depends on how long the episodes go between that I uh, come up with uh, the next episode, you know. So uh, it could vary, but about a month I'm hoping that I can keep them up there. This one that's going on right now, the survey is, how many sequels do you feel most movies can make before they should just give it up and let the dead horse lie? All right? Your choices are zero. They never should make any sequels. Or one, after the first sequel, they should just stop. Or after two sequels, please, I can't take it anymore. Or after three sequels, stop, it's killing me. Or the final one choice that you have is, I love sequels, keep them coming. So those are your choices. Give us your opinion. And in a future episode, you know, the next one, I'll probably change it at the, at the next episode in, uh, in December. And um, we'll come up with that. And also in the next podcast, I will be announcing the winner of the Fallen Angels DVD. So... Keep listening for that, and of course, we'll get in touch with the person who wins, uh, so we can find out, you know, where they want it sent and all that sort of stuff. But uh, that's uh, what's coming up. And in this episode, this is the holiday movie guide special. Okay, so it's a little bit different. We are going to be telling you about uh, some of the sequels and remakes that are coming up because uh, there are some that in, are in the holiday season. So uh, we're going to start on that right now. Here on On Screen and Beyond. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu.
Holiday movies, they're opening November 16th with the first Mr. Magorium's Wonder Emporium. Now, it's a, it's not a sequel or anything like that, not a remake, but it's sort of reminiscent of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Anyways, it stars Dustin Hoffman as a 243-year-old owner of the most wondrous toy store in the world. But he's about to retire and hand it over to an unconfident manager played by Natalie Portman. Then enter Justin Bateman as the bad guy. And things go on from there. I'm not going to tell you the rest, but uh, that's what that one's going to be about. And also on November 16th, Beowulf from Robert Zemeckis, who gave us Back to the Future and the Polar Express. Okay, well, he's doing his Polar Express thing again. That's that that sort of motion capture CGI movie that uh, that he does. And uh, but uh, it's it's not your typical computer animation stuff. Uh, it, it just looks kind of weird, I think. But um, there's a lot of stars in it, Angelina Jolie and Anthony Hopkins and John Malkovich providing the motion capture and the voices for the movies. So a lot of star power there, Um, but uh, myself, it's just that that odd-looking animation that they call. uh, You know, they call it animation, but it's just not uh, the usual stuff. But anyways, so that's coming up on November 16th. Also, coming up on November 21st brings us Christmas in Wonderland, starring Patrick Swayze and Carmen Electra. It's about a family who's lost that Christmas spirit until they find a bag of money. Then the crooks who printed it start hunting them down. November 21st, also look for Hitman as it hits theaters and hopes to draw in video game lovers who love the game. And the big question will be if video game lovers will want to sit there in a theater and watch the movie or stay home and play the game by themselves. And also on November 21st, check out Disney's Enchanted as the animated world of fairy tales falls into present-day New York City. All right, so that looks kind of like a fun movie. They're saying that uh, it's sort of going to be the uh, surprise hit of the season. So um, I don't know if it's going to be that much of a surprise, but uh, it's, it looks like it's going to be a good one. Uh, also on November 21st, look for August Rush as it debuts with Freddie Highmore, Carrie Russell, and Robin Williams. It follows an orphan child looking for his lost parents through the wonder of music. And the King of Horror, Stephen King, has a new story out. It's an adaptation of one of his stories, and it's called The Mist, and it comes out on November 21st. From the director, who is no stranger to Stephen King's stories, Frank Darabont, who is responsible for the huge hits, The Green Mile and The Shawshank Redemption, he heads the reins for a story about a group of people stuck in a supermarket as a strange mist engulfs the town. And it's filled with deadly creatures. Sounds like Stephen King all the way. December 14th is going to bring us two possible big holiday movies. All right, The first one will be I Am Legend with the star power of Will Smith and a remake of the Charlton Heston Omega Man movie. Remember that one? And I mentioned that earlier in episode one. And also, another one we mentioned about earlier uh, is... Alvin and the Chipmunks. That's coming out on December 14th with a mixture of CGI animation and live action and a comeback of those mischievous little chipmunks from the 60s. Alright, and that's coming up on December 14th, like I said. As we move to December 18th, look for the teaming of two big name stars. Alright, Jack Nicholson, Morgan Freeman, and also a third name in there, director Rob Reiner. Now, these are all big stars in, uh, you know, in their own right, and they've got a movie coming out called The Bucket List. 
All right. It's about two men facing old age and the end of their lives and planning to go out with a bang. Who knows what that will turn out like? Uh, it, 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 two great stars, that's for sure. December 21st, look for Nicolas Cage once again as Benjamin Franklin Gates and his treasure hunting buddies in the sequel, National Treasure, The Book of Secrets. It's... Uh, this time around, it's a little bit different. They're trying to unravel the mysteries of Abraham Lincoln's death. And all you fans of Johnny Depp, it looks like he's coming out with another movie on December 21st, teaming up once again with Tim Burton for Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Now, sounds a little strange, but then again, it's Tim Burton and Johnny Depp. It's a musical, and look for Johnny to do a little soft shoe in the movie, but uh, the question is, will the public like singing, dancing, and blood all in one film? We can only wait and see. Christmas Day brings us The Great Debaters with Denzel Washington and Forrest Whitaker. Now, of course, Denzel's out with a movie right now, and uh, American Gangster, and that's uh, doing quite well. And um, this one, I don't know. Think underdog football movies like Remember the Titans, only with students in a debating team. Mm -hmm. Sounds a little different, but uh, that's what it's about. Also, APV-R, Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Speaks for itself. They're, one can't hold up as a movie, so they're putting the two together and seeing what they can come out with. All right, that's on Christmas Day. And also, finally... On Christmas Day, Charlie Wilson's War, featuring Tom Hanks, Julia Roberts, and Philip Seymour Hoffman, and director Mike Nichols. Now, that is star power right there. It's based on the true story of how a congressman, a renegade CIA agent, and a rich Texas socialite start a private war in Afghanistan and contribute to the fall of the Soviet Union. My question is, who's going to play the congressman? Who's going to be the renegade CIA agent? And who's the rich Texas socialite? You never know. And I've got one more thing coming up. We're going to take a look at what's coming up next holiday season in 2008. Coming up right here on On Screen and Beyond. All right, now we're going to put on the... the special glasses or look into the crystal ball or whatever you want to say and we're going to look ahead a year to this time next year in 2008 at the holiday season movie releases now we've mentioned a couple of these uh, let me see actually i've mentioned all of these in previous podcasts but i didn't really know the dates all right but now they're saying the dates are going to be uh, you know in this holiday season for these movies uh summer sequels summer prequels some are remake prequel sequels, all right? So it's kind of hard to tell what they are. Not one of them, from what I can see, is an original, okay? Well, they're original, but they're not. You know what I mean. Uh, they're a remake, sequel, or prequel of previous movies. So, uh, but of course, this could all change because of the writer's strike. Dates could change. Time could change. They could. It's doubtful that any of these are going to be dumped because these are such big movies. But uh, anyways, writer's strike could change all this. But what they're saying right now, November 7th, 2008, the beginning of the season, uh, the holiday movie season, uh, James Bond 22, sequel. All right, what more can we say? It's James Bond. He's coming out. It's going to be another big hit, of course. Uh, another sequel coming out on November 7th is Madagascar 2. 
And then we have on November 21st, 2008, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. That's a sequel also. December 12th, The Day the Earth Stood Still with Keanu Reeves, remake. Uh, December 19th, Angels and Demons with Tom Hanks, prequel we're talking here to The Da Vinci Code. And on December 25th, Christmas Day, over a little bit over a year from now, we're looking at a, well, is it a remake? It is a prequel? Is it a sequel? It's Star Trek XI. Of course, we've heard different things about that one. Um, we'll see how it turns out, but they're saying that's coming out Christmas Day in 2008. It's just about time now for our interview segment of On Screen and Beyond, and this time on our Holiday Movie Guide special, we are going to have an interview with Art LaFleur. Now, the reason we're having Art LaFleur is because right now on DVD, the Santa Claus 3 movie is coming out, and Art has uh, been in Santa Claus 2 and Santa Claus 3. He was the Tooth Fairy, kind of a big guy. <laughs> if you see his, his face, you'll know. If you are listening on iTunes, you can see uh, in the picture section, the, the, uh, you can see what he looks like, and you say, oh, I know that guy. And um, he was also in uh, Sandlot, and he played Babe Ruth in that one, and he was also in uh, uh, all kinds of different movies, and, and a very recognizable face. Uh, he started his career out, and he talks about this, uh, on Gilligan's Island, the, one of the movies, A Rescue from Gilligan's Island. And uh, he talks about that, like I said. And uh, it's kind of interesting to hear what his career's been like, and uh, he's a great guy, very nice guy. And it's time uh, to get into that interview, right here on On Screen and Beyond. My guest today on On Screen and Beyond is Art LaFleur, and he has one of the most recognizable faces. You've seen him in so many different films. Uh, Art, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Um, and, and like I was saying, you know, your face is just <laughs> so recognizable. Yeah, I, you know, most of the time, well, half the time that I get recognized, people think that I was their high school coach or history teacher, you know, <laughs> or that I worked with them at some company. Um, but then uh, there are a lot of people who recognize me for uh, The Sandlot, where I played Babe Ruth coming out of the closet and yeah. A Field of Dreams and The Replacements and, you know, things like that. So I can um, remember seeing that movie, and uh, The Sandlot, and I said, wow, that, that guy, he looks like Babe Ruth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, David Mickey Evans directed that film and wrote it, and uh, it was such a pleasure to work with him. I remember I had read... Um, a biography of Babe Ruth prior to going in to meet him and uh, to talk about the, you know, the getting the part of Babe Ruth. And uh, so I walked in as Babe Ruth. I walked in, you know, using his um, colloquialisms. colloquialisms. Uh, he, would call, he would call kids keyed and uh, stuff like that. So I just walked in and started talking like that. And uh, I was in, about, in the room about five minutes and he said, "You're Babe Ruth. Get out of here. <laughs> See you at the set." So, so did you do a lot of research for that uh, before you went in? I read that biography, which was really a good one. I think uh, Creamer is the last name of the of the author of the biography on Babe Ruth, and uh, that I read. 
and it was pretty, pretty good one. And uh, you know, got into detail about his personality and stuff. And all I really tried to do with the film, because the scene was not a very long scene, and I was only in the one scene, was uh, just to try and bring on his persona. You know, but so, it was such a big part of the movie. I mean, that, yeah, isn't it know. interesting? It was one day's work, and to this day, people recognize me for it. Yeah. Which is a, a joy, of course. You know, if I go into a restaurant and I've never been there before, and the the host or hostess will say to me, "Oh, hey, how are you? Good to see you again." You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so uh, I always get a good table and the smile. You know, at least that. You know, that's a positive. It helps. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> now, another one that was a big movie was uh, Santa Claus Two, Santa Claus Three. Yes, right. You're yeah. right. I had a lot of fun doing that. Uh, Michael Lembeck directed. Um, the Santa Claus 2 and 3, and uh, uh, I had a wonderful time with it. Uh, everybody was great. Uh, you know, I'm standing on the set uh, with uh, Tim Allen and Kevin Pollack and and uh, uh, all these other very talented and funny people. You know, uh, in Santa Claus 3, Martin Short played Jack Frost. Um, Jay Thomas was the Easter Bunny. And, you know, so, you know... It's such a grin when they all get together and they're rehearsing and getting ready to roll camera. They're still telling jokes. I, I just had the best time doing that film. And you did, you did such doing a good job films. as the Tooth Fairy. And yes, <laughs> I love the Tooth Fairy. You know. It was funny. Yeah. Yeah. When I when I first when I heard from first heard about the project, um, they said they were considering me for the Tooth Fairy, and I thought, oh my God, I I can't see myself in a tights and a tutu. <laughs> And then when I got the script, the stage direction said, it looks like he played football, but he has little wings. And I thought, well, I could do that. <laughs> and I had a good time doing it. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, and Tim Allen was very generous with uh, his... Uh, you know, he's very um, obviously involved with um, the filming and uh, how things look in each scene, certainly, that he's involved in. And... Uh, he was very generous with me, and, and I really appreciated that. He was good to work with. Now, you play so many different roles. I mean, you've played you know, Babe Ruth, which was you know a serious role, and then you've played the Tooth Fairy, which <laughs> you know you can't get much more uh, the good guy uh, you know than that. Right. And um, but you've also played uh, comedic characters like I can remember you back in. Um, Rescue from Gilligan's Island. Yes, as, yes. Uh, I, I got my I SAG card with that. Oh, that was your. Was that your first? That my very first SAG job. Yeah. yeah. I had already worked, done a play at the Mark Taper Forum in Los Angeles, uh, which got me my equity card. So my first union as an actor was uh, equity, and then I got the SAG card. Um, a friend of mine that I knew in my acting class, I knew the producer of the film and writer through her. And so that's what got me the audition because I had met him and we liked each other. And so he he gave me a shot even though I wasn't a SAG member and 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 uh, I guess I did well enough to get the part. So then they uh, that allowed me to join SAG. That was 1978. 78. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was a while ago. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> then um, you do a lot of voices, don't you know? When you're doing the character, you try to sound, you know. Um, generally, I. With Babe Ruth and a few other, like I said, you know, you try and pick up uh, a speech pattern that would be appropriate for the character. Yeah. Um, other than that, I don't really. But like I, I, I wasn't. If I, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it. Um, but weren't you like a Russian? 
uh, yeah, and, and you and use that accent. Yeah, and, but but you know what? Uh, looking back at it, uh, it was my first SAG job with the Rescue from Gilligan's Island, and I was reading for, uh, and I performed a you know Russian spy, and so I was doing a very almost bullwinkle you know type of uh, you know accent. Uh, I was saying lines like, "Who is this Gilligan?" You know, it was it, you know, I mean, who would talk like that? <laughs> I mean, you know, it, I, I I think if I was going to seriously you know work on doing a, a Russian accent. I probably would not sound quite that obvious. But I mean, for Gilligan, it, but for it, Gilligan, it, it was, was, it was appropriate. Yeah, you know, it got me the job. Anyway. Yeah. Huh. Now you have some new projects that are coming out. <clears throat> uh, I'm looking. There's a couple scripts that I'm looking at. Um, independent films that uh, uh, friends of mine have written who are trying right now to raise the money to uh, get them produced. And and uh, if that happens, knock on wood. Um, uh, you know, I would have significant parts in both of those projects. Um, I just did a, a commercial, a national commercial for AT&T uh, about three weeks ago. Uh, you know, I'm auditioning. Things are going to slow down during the summer usually, uh, certainly for feature film and television because everybody goes on hiatus. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, there's a, there's a few things in the fire. You know, I'm I noticed that you com it says you completed uh, Bad Guys. Yeah, you know, they, they, the last I talked to the producers, they were still doing some reshoots. I'm not sure whether they're through with those or not. Um, extra added little pieces that they didn't have uh, the, the budget to do when we first shot it. And uh, so, uh, actually, tomorrow at the screening, I'll, I'll be seeing it for the first time. Oh, really? You know, on, you know without, uh, without uh, uh, being in a real rough cut. Mm -hmm. You know, condition. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see it, to yeah. see what they did with it, you know, because they could have completely changed it for all right. I know. Right, yeah. You yeah. know, it was a pretty simple story. It's kind of a noirish kind of story about uh, this gang of four people who get together for various reasons, um, uh, for various motives, uh, I should say, and they're going to work on uh, their their plan is to devise a new type of uh, um, recreational drug that they can sell on the street and make a bunch of money. And in the process of uh, uh, working on this, they are involved in a conflict with a big mafioso type of uh, it's not the real mafia, but it's a mafioso type uh, of uh, gang and steal a bunch of money inadvertently from them. They take a couple cases thinking that there's some drugs in it, and it turns out it's filled with cash. And then so they, and, and the mayhem ensues from there, as they say, you know. Um, I, I, had a, I had fun doing that, too. That was another good one. Were you a, a good guy, a bad guy? I was a, I was a, a cop who had gone... Um, to the dark side. So, like we were talking about earlier, where you've played the Tooth Fairy and, and, and all these different ones, you, you've played the good guy, the bad guy. Uh, do you have a preference of, of which type of character you play, you know, good you know, or bad? They're, they're all fun. Um, you, and, you know, if you're lucky enough uh, to get good parts, 
what you try to do is bring yourself to the character as much as you can. Um, uh, obviously, if you want to be true to the character, you need to be that character, but you need to bring yourself into it, I think, in order to make it really real. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, whether it's the Tooth Fairy or uh, a cop gone bad in a, in a, in a noirish kind of film like uh, Bad Guys is, you know, it's it's still uh, the thing you want to try and do is, is be as real as you can with it. So you try and bring yourself into it. Yeah, know? yeah. And I have fun doing both. <laughs> mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TV and movies. You've, you've seen your face on a lot of different TV shows. Uh, a Team. Uh, All the way uh, back. I did the. I was on the original Charlie's Angels. The Charlie's Hulk. Angels. Yeah. Uh, the, the, so there were. There's a. Yeah. There's a lot of TV that I've done over the years. You know, TV is. It just works faster. You have to be a little bit more prepared uh, ahead of time. Do you like one of the? Do you like the, the quickness of TV or, or the? The quickness the, of TV is okay, but I think I would prefer film because. You, it's just a little bit more relaxed, um, even with an independent film where, uh, let's say that if it was a big budgeted film, it would take, like Santa Claus 2 and Santa Claus 3, I think they had probably, a, you know, 9 to 12 week shooting schedules, you know, they have a long shooting schedule, yeah. but of course it's quite involved with huge sets and lots of costumes and characters and so forth, so... Uh, but it's a big budget thing. Um, you'll only shoot maybe a page, page and a half a day. Wow. Uh, whereas with an independent film, uh, you're going to do the same time. You're going to do a 90-minute film, let's say, but you're going to do it in like, you know, 20 days yeah. or, or 16 days, you know. And yeah. so um, things get a little bit more compressed. But even with that, still... Um, it's it's a quick pace, but it's not quite as demanding, I don't think, as TV. To be TV, you really need to. When you walk on the set, you got to be ready to shoot. Yeah. And uh, what happens happens, and so your preparation um, prior to walking onto the set needs to be detailed. But then when you get on the set, of course, you got to throw all that out and just take what you got. Yeah. You know, and play the moment. Um, but I think TV is just more compressed and faster. So I, I probably would, would prefer a feature. Yeah. But I like stage the most, stage uh, doing plays. Oh, you do do? Yeah, I sure do. And, and doing stage plays are the, are the best. And I think most actors will say that. Really? Probably. Yeah. Um, you know, you hear, I, I hear it all the time when I see actors being interviewed. They talk about how stage is their first love. Well, yeah. I mean, when I first started studying acting back in 1976 with Gordon Hunt, um, uh, you do scenes, uh, you do monologues, and most of them are taken from plays. And so, yes, you get to be oriented toward the stage in your initial studying of, of the craft, you know, of acting, if you can call it a craft. And uh, so 
stage becomes the first thing you do, you know. And you I would wanna, imagine that you get the audience reaction immediate as opposed to like two years later, you, yeah. the movie comes out and then the people, yes, and by then absolutely. you've gone on to several, many, many things. There are stage plays that I've done that every once in a while I'll run across someone who'll say, hey, I saw you in that this play about the, you know, about the cabin, you know, da, 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 and I, and um, it, it takes you back 15 years, but there'll be somebody who will have seen it and have liked you in it and might remember and, and comment to you about it. Um, but stage is the best, I think, for actors because you get a chance to rehearse every scene, you get a chance to really get your lines down and uh, and really work on them every day for three or four weeks. It, you know, it would be a luxury, it's a luxury to have uh, three or four weeks of rehearsal prior to starting something. Plus, with a, with a stage play, you get to start at the beginning and go in sequence all the way to the end. Whereas in film, I remember I did uh, Young Writers, I did an episode of Young Writers, mm -hmm. and I flew in from Los Angeles to Tucson, I think it was, and went to the hotel, and then I, they drove me from the hotel directly to the set, and the first scene to shoot that same day, and the first scene that I shot was the very end sequence, the very last scene, which was the most dramatic and passionate moment of my character in that in that series. That's that's that one particular episode. So it must be tough to it to, was you know, it was, to try it was okay. very jarring. I, I found out when they picked me up at the airport. What are we going to be shooting today? And they told me, and I looked at my script, and I went, oh, my God, you know, this is the climax. And so I had to get myself ready in the car and at the hotel and then driving to the set and getting my wardrobe and makeup on and all that. I had to kind of, like, you know, really get my mindset to do the end. Right, yeah, because <laughs> I can't but that's the way. But that's the nature of it. Right, yeah, everything is done yeah. in that, however they decide what you're filming that day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's another factor that enters into why I think most actors would probably say that they like stage better because you have the rehearsal time and you get to start at the beginning and go all the way to the end without jumping all over the place. Hmm. I think, and that's too, in television it's harder because you are jumping all over the place, usually, um, and it's you have to work so fast that it can get confusing. So te television does that too? They don't necessarily do... No, they, they, they won't do it in sequence, oh, generally. Okay. Um, and so there again, you know, I mean, if you have, especially if you have locations, if you have, a, 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 if you're doing a show that uh, has that certain scenes in uh, at the sound stages, at the studio, and then you also go out, jump out to locations, you never know when when you're going to be shooting That's what. true, too. I, I, was, I was thinking more of a, like a sitcom. I, I would think that those might go... Sitcoms are great. Sitcom is a great form because it's like stage. You have a live audience generally. Right, yeah. You have a three three or four cameras, and you do go in sequence there, too. Yeah. And you have a week to rehearse. You, have, you start out on Monday, and you rehearse every day until Friday, and then on Friday you have a, a run-through, and then you have... Oftentimes they have two tapings. They'll have a five o'clock and say an eight o'clock taping uh -huh. with two separate audiences to get you know the reactions to the jokes that they want from yeah. a fresh audience yeah. so they're there again sitcoms are like stage hmm. so that's a good thing yeah well i want to thank you for taking the time my and, pleasure it's and a and pleasure to be here and i'm you know 
the California Independent Film Festival, I came up here for the first time last year with a student film, and I'm back here again this year. Uh, but, you know, it, it's such a treat to be here because everyone treats you so nicely. And I love um, uh, this, this whole area of Livermore, and uh, it's, it's just a pleasure to be here. And, and any actor who has a chance to come up here, I think it would be crazy not to take it. Well, thank you. Yeah. And that just about does it for episode four of On Screen and Beyond. We want to thank Art LaFleur for talking with us. A very nice guy. Thank you very much. And um, we just want to remind you once again, there's still time for you to enter the chance to win a DVD of Fallen Angels, the Warner Brothers release horror movie, and uh, it's also a signed copy by several members of the cast of the movie, so it's a little something special, and uh, all you have to do is listen to episode three of my podcast, On Screen and Beyond, and David Hess, who's one of the stars of Fallen Angels, is interviewed in that episode, and what you have to do is listen to his interview and find out the answer to this question. What sport was David Hest involved in early in his career? Very simple. He mentions it a couple of times in the, in the uh, interview. And uh, then you send the answer to that question to feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. And then on November 30th, we'll draw a winner from all the correct answers. And we'll send that person a free copy of the Fallen Angels DVD along with the autographs on the DVD. So, uh, on, the, on the case, I presume, that they're going to do. I haven't actually seen it, so I don't know. But uh, I pr- presume that's what they're going to do. And uh, that's just another way you can have a uh, little fun here on On Screen and Beyond. We hope to do more, like I said earlier. And uh, if you get a chance, you can take our survey on the website, onscreenandbeyond.com, homepage, scroll down to the bottom, that's where the survey is. Once again, if you're sending an email, remember, please put where you're from, you know, where you're from, what uh, state, uh, what country, wherever, uh, just so we have an idea of where people are listening to On Screen and Beyond. And until next time, this is Brian Zemreich. We'll see you. Take care. <laughs>